On this episode of The Trillist, we have... Just starting my, my first couple classes and I needed books. And I was like, okay, the bookstore, like that's, that's what kids do. And like getting books was just a really stressful thing because they're expensive. Or one of the projects that I've recently been working on is the implementation of a grocery delivery program to address food insecurity on campus. Two big projects I helped with that were the textbook library, coding books so students would have access to like look them up online and then get those books sent to them, and the summer storage initiative. I got a C in Econ 002 for every Figley student who has just arrived who might be struggling. There's not just one way to achieve your goals. For more chill content, follow the Trillis Instagram at T H E T R I L L E S T underscore podcast. And check out Sia's Insta at L I N D A L E B B I E. And if you like this video, and I know you do, just admit it, please rate. Our podcast it will help us with reaching more people and also share it with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Just share it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Trillist. On today's episode, I have wonderful student leaders currently here at Penn and one student leader that graduated in May of 2020. So please join me in welcoming Mercedes Owens. Hi, thank you for having me, Sia. Mary Sadala. Hi, so nice to be here. And Dan Gonzalez. Hi, Sia. So thank you all very much for being here. All three leaders are Figley students here at Penn. Figley stands for First Generation Low Income. It's amazing that you all, especially with Mercedes being the president of the undergraduate assembly and Mary being the vice president, that you guys have achieved such amazing roles at Penn, regardless of your socioeconomic background. And we'll talk more about that, but Penn is a very wealthy institution. The students here are very immensely wealthy. So shout out to all of you and thank you for coming on today. So before we get into today's episode, could you each tell me one thing that motivates you, what you want to achieve in life? So one thing that motivates me is just making sure that I am always striving to be the best, like always striving to do my own personal best. And I study economics and consumer psychology at Penn because I really have always been passionate about learning what drives human behavior, what drives our decision-making processes and Ideally, one day I'll end up in a, sp- in a place where I'm able to analyze those decision-making processes in a professional sense. 
A lot of my focus and my studies has been on topics like poverty and inequality. Um, I think that definitely comes from my background. I just want to learn more about people that grew up like me and how we can do something about it. So in the future, I'd like to work on social policy. So at Penn, I studied public health. I think that really drives my work. Like I, I work in education now, but I still see that as like a like a different arm of public health in the sense that like everything about your life will impact your future health outcomes. So I'm really motivated by improving access and equity for um, everyone. Amazing. Thank you all for sharing. I just want to note that each of you spoke about helping people in some way, shape, or form, or analyzing the behaviors of individuals and populations. So it's wonderful, lucky for you three, and also our amazing, wonderful listeners. The Trillis is sponsored by The Economist, with the link in our description box. Listeners can get a 12-week subscription for just $19. It is a discounted subscription link for a digital subscription. Again, it is in our description link. You can read articles about what is happening regarding health with Dan, with the vaccine distribution in sub-Saharan Africa, or you could read about low-income education outcomes for students in the U.S., and you can read about what people are buying all over the world and how China's economy impacts the U.S. economy and the EU's economy. So lots of great things within The Economist. I love it. I've been subscribed since I was a freshman. I'm still here because it's great quality news from a wonderful institution. And I love getting my news in a British voice. I can listen to it. I can read it. It's all there. So get your life and check out the link in our description. So let's get into today's episode. As I said earlier, we are discussing the Figley first-generation low-income student experience. I myself, I am low-income, so I have found such a vibrant community at Penn, and I'm so happy for that. So to start off, could each of you let me know if you identify as first-generation, low-income, or both? Uh, if you identify with one or the other, could you please, one of you, can tell us the difference between individuals who identify with one or the other. So I do identify as first generation and low income. And I do think that there is a difference between individuals who identify with only one of those characteristics. So I think that the way that we form community within this, the Figley community is through the low income part. Um, and then that kind of feeds into the first generation part. So there are certain struggles that come from being low income at an institution like Penn and if you didn't have that barrier of low income, then you had access to resources to kind of bridge the gap that you would have as a first generation student. But if you don't have either of those things and you didn't have those resources or access to them, there are certain struggles that you have to overcome. And that really does help in the vibrant Figley community at Penn. So I identify as both first generation and low income as well. I think it does make a difference. I agree with Mercedes because when your parents have been to college, you definitely have an upper hand. You kind of know your way around a little bit better. And yeah, being low income at a place like Penn, definitely um, you feel how it affects you early on. I am also both first generation and low income. Neither of my parents graduated from high school. And then the other thing I wanted to add about 
like being first gen or low income or both is that like it's really kind of like a spectrum or like a web of like are you more low income than someone else like what kind of navigational capital do you have navigational capital meaning like how do you navigate an institution like everyone's coming with different experiences like it's not just like a flat experience so that's also another thing to keep in mind like there's those two big terms but then even if you're both first gen and low income like you can be super different from your peer yeah thank you all for bringing that up for defining that and i really want to touch on something that dan mentioned i was talking about this with my roommate and we spoke about how people have just different figly experiences and let's take two students one who went to school in let's say inner city detroit and another who went to school at Phillips Academy Andover. Those two students could have the same estimated family contribution, EFC, and they can both come from first-generation families, the first to go to college. However, that student who went to Phillips Andover has the social capital at Penn that I went to boarding school. I know a little bit more, if not totally, I know more about this and I can join different organizations and connect with other students who've been there at those schools and have the financial capital. So we see those Figley students having smoother social transitions. And this brings me to my next question. Can you each give me one example or experience generally that has been impacted by your Figley identification and where you come from socioeconomically? Yes, yeah, I think that you hit the the nail on the head there with the comparison that you just made. So I think for me, the thing that I remember the most about my initial experience coming into Penn was how much I felt like I did not know as a Figley student, like as when I first arrived at Penn, especially um, I came in as a math major and I wanted to, I I entered one of Math 104, which is like the intro class. And I had no idea. I've never seen any of the stuff, any of the material in that class. I come from a public school very in a very tiny southern town. And so coming into that class and seeing all of my classmates having already known that knowledge, having already learned that knowledge, um, and that being normalized at Penn to already have learned all of the first year classes, that really made me feel like I was an imposter within my own community or within my own institution. And so that led to a lot of other experiences down the line that kind of forced me to jump over these extra hurdles that other students did not have. And so that's something that really has impacted my Figley experience at Penn. But it's it's so common for, for Figley students to have to kind of jump over those barrels in their initial years at Penn. Yeah, I was a bit luckier in that my public school was a pretty good one. It did have a lot of the APs and I was able to take them. Still, I definitely struggled, especially in the early semesters, just adjusting to the college environment because my public school definitely wasn't the most rigorous. I remember like in some of those AP classes, teachers definitely kind of just, they vibed their way through. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they were great. I don't blame them. But I think when my like figly identity was like really salient for me, it was in the first few weeks when I was just starting my, my first couple classes and I needed books. And I was like, okay, the bookstore, like that's, that's what kids do. And like getting books was just a really stressful thing because they're expensive. And I didn't even realize like I could switch my classes around. Um, I was just so worried about getting the books that I needed for the classes I was already in. And in hindsight, like I shouldn't have been in some of those classes that I was in because, but because I was so worried about just getting started and like doing my first couple of readings, I didn't 
feel like I had that flexibility. So yeah, maybe maybe that impacted me in, in some deeper way. But in the beginning, like I just really felt that barrier. For me, I feel like I knew I was Figly before I even got to campus. And I think that's just because I got to like actually meet members of Penn First, uh, which was one of the first student groups to support first-gen students. So I came in already kind of knowing that. And then I participated in the pre-freshman program and that just really helped me like build community. But I think a really, really challenging part of college was similar to what Mary and Mercedes mentioned was about like academics and just um, not having the academic training to prepare me to like do well in certain classes. And then also not having like the advising support to know like, hey, actually you don't want to study this. You want to study something else. Like I was in these pre-med classes because I thought it was pre-health like I, I mentioned I studied public health I didn't do very well like in the, the first semester of taking it and then I took the second class and then I completely failed it and what I realized was like I think I like science and I like reading articles or like watching videos but I don't think I have the time to study it in college and I realized I was like a much stronger writer and I like to read you know, like history so that was when I pivoted to health and societies and literally a 180 in terms of like academic performance and I was already very involved in campus from being part of the Figley community so that really helped so I, then I felt like after sophomore year much more aligned and like more of a fuller student the last thing I wanted to say is like the terms or like the concepts you were talking about Sia like there's a uh, scholar Anthony Jack who talks about like the privileged poor and the doubly disadvantaged and the logic there is you could be a first-gen low-income student and like if you went to a private high school like you said you get all those advantages not all of them but a good amount of them or if you went to a regular public school like you still might not have had that and it's kind of in a gray area there's like specialized high school so that's something to consider but yeah it really does like add another layer of like what are students coming in with when they come to campus yeah, thank you for actually identifying the concepts that I spoke about. Thank you, Dan, with that. And thank you each for sharing. I resonated so much with what Mercedes and Dan said specifically with the academic part. I got a C in Econ 002 Macroeconomics. I had never taken Econ a day in my life before. Thought I was going to double major in econ and IR when I got to Penn because I wanted to work for the UN and make change internationally and bring people together and all this other stuff. And it did not work out. You know, when you don't know something, I'm not naturally inclined to math and those type of things. It was hard, it was difficult. And I wish going back, I so wish I could tell myself, do not do this. This, you could achieve your dreams in other ways. I found the communication major at Annenberg and fell in love and, like Dan said, a complete 180 in academics, and I'm thriving now, and I'm proud to say that. So I feel that for every Figley student who has just arrived who might be struggling in that econ course or that uh, orgo course or so on, or what Mary said, struggling to find books because you want to start. And you feel like you have to take these classes even though it doesn't resonate with you, forget it. You know, forget it. Chase what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and that will lead to doors later on. There's not just one way to achieve your goals. So I want to say that. So moving on, thank you all for sharing again. 
Each of you are advocates in some way, shape, or form for the Fig League community. You guys have access to administration. You agenda set and do the best you can to achieve results. I know it's hard as any person who has ever gone into trying to make change knows you're going up against a wall and ingrained system. So can you each speak to why you decided to be advocates for the community and speak to one project that you've helped advocate for that you've seen has been implemented or is on its way to being implemented, please? Yeah, so I started off in the undergraduate assembly my freshman year. And this was because I arrived on campus and kind of immediately saw the disparities that existed between access, funding, resources, engagement of the Figley community as compared to some of the other like larger communities on campus, maybe related to Greek life and other like just social mobility more generally um, and our, our ability to participate in those spaces. And so I really wanted to, on an institutional level, begin to have some influence to shift that culture. And so that's why I initially got involved in advocacy for the Figley community. And then some of the projects like, or one of the projects that I've recently been working on is the implementation of a grocery delivery program to address food insecurity on campus. Food insecurity is something that I've been working on since my sophomore year um, as a project and just kind of investigating how it permeates Penn's campus and how it is kind of perpetuated by the dining plan, why it's perpetuated by some of the structures in place at Penn. And so the implementation of this grocery delivery program comes along with a $150,000 donation also to the Pen First Plus building. And so that will allow for additional investigations of food insecurity and ways we can address it moving forward, um, even after I graduate. So I'm, I'm really proud of that project. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that it will help the Figley community in ways beyond what I was able to do in my time at Penn. And I think I got into leadership because I was aware of my own identity and where I kind of stood at Penn. I remember I was really hesitant to run for the UA uh, my very first semester, but I talked to another Bigley student leader and he told me like, no, you have to do this so that your voice is represented. Um, and I'm so glad that I listened to him and I went through with it because, you know, I've gotten to do so much good work. But funnily enough, one thing I've worked on is textbook access. <laughs> this is something in all my years on the UA, like we just consistently brought it up in every meeting we were in. And sometimes professors were like not even aware how expensive some of the stuff they were assigning was. And the biggest thing has been the online codes, because there's not really a way around those. You have to pay the $100 every time. But now with Pen First Plus being such a robust program, Dr. Mark Lowe has really worked on forming relationships with publishing companies, finding a way to get those access codes for students. So it shouldn't be as big of a barrier in the future. For me, uh, it's kind of hard to pick a project, but and I really am so proud of Mercedes and Mary for getting so involved with student government. Like That's really impressive. I think at a, when I started at Penn, we didn't really see student government as an option because we felt it was too like dominated by like different peers. But I'm really glad that the, like the landscape has changed so much. And I think a project that like really mattered to me was just supporting and uplifting like the Figley program, and then being part of like the group of students consulting on like what the Penn First Plus office should be. So like with the Figley program that started my freshman fall, and it wasn't. There wasn't really any like formal aspects of it, but through like my interactions talking to Val and like other administration, we got to see like, well, what does it need to be and like what could we pilot? So some two big projects I helped with that were the textbook library 
Um, and that was a lot of coding books. So students would have access to like look them up online and then get those books sent to them. And the summer storage initiative, which in COVID has kind of fallen to the wayside, but what's like a way to subsidize summer storage options for students? So that was a pretty big ordeal. And I think it was my junior year where there wasn't going to be a staff person to run it. So someone had to take it over. So it really was between me and like one other like part-time staff person to make that logistically happen. We fast forward a bit. Pen First Plus is up and running. And, you know, Marco is a really great advocate for the Figley community. So he's really pushing the envelope in that way. And then the textbook library was integrated into like the Pen library system. So it's not as much of a burden for the Figley program or the GIC to run or students for that matter. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just like really proud of what's happened in the past year since I've been gone and also what's been happening even when I was getting less involved when I was at school. Like Mercedes and Mary have really done a lot. So I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, super proud. All three of you have done so much for the communities, have dedicated your pen careers to the good of our greater community. I'm so grateful for it. Ania Moore and other leaders who Dan and Mercedes and Mary have followed in their footsteps have paved such wonderful paths. And I'm blessed to say it has impacted my life as a Figley student. I've been able to get textbooks when I couldn't afford it. There's so many other resources there. So thank you for that. The summer storage, amazing. And you don't understand how life-saving that has been as well. So thank you all for working on these initiatives. And to wrap up this episode, I would like to ask you each to share one strength that you believe your identity as a first-generation low-income student has given you. For me, I'll start. Being a low-income student has taught me to grind, to work my butt off, It's given me my work ethic, and I've taken that, and I've done so many things with that. For me, I think being a Figley student has really taught me to defy the odds, to always kind of measure up to what I believe that I can achieve and not really think about my financial constraints or my Figley constraints, like being first generation, not knowing something, as being something that deters me from trying. So I feel like I always have the ability to achieve what I want to do because I'm here. I defied those odds. I was able to get out of my small southern town that had no resources. And so I feel like just having that, having overcome that initial barrier in life allows me to have the strength or have the inspiration, the motivation to continue on and like continue to defy odds and continue to go after whatever I feel passionate about. So that's something that I feel like is a strength of being a Figley student. I think for me, the big thing has been that I'm really resilient. So, you know, even before Penn, like there was a lot that I went through to get here personally, academically, in extracurriculars, in everything. So when I did get to Penn and I faced roadblocks, you know, it was never the end of the world because I knew I've been through so much already. So I'll be able to get through this next thing. At times it did feel like, you know, the world was crashing down a bit. (laughs) Like see, you mentioned Econ 2. I tried to take Econ 101. Horrible idea biggest regret of my life. But still, you know, I was able to get through it. And I think, you know, everything has led me to where I am now. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that being Figley has given me. So to not be redundant, I think I'm going to pick a different word. And I think the word for me is um, resourceful. I think that's probably one of the greatest things I have is just like trying to either connect people to people or find a resource. 
Google's your best friend. Uh, you should always ask for help. And you never really know like who, who is willing to support you if you don't ask. So I think that's a really big thing for me. And um, it's taken me really far, just being resourceful, whether it's looking up a crazy job board and like finding a volunteer opportunity or talking to someone who like leads you to talk to someone else. Yeah, I don't think I could have survived pandemic job search stuff if it wasn't for being resourceful. And I think that's a skill that a lot of first-gen students have. Very true. Thank you each for coming on. I know you all have busy lives and we have to wrap up today's episode, but I sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your days and coming on and speaking to myself and the listeners. This episode has been amazing. I just want to tell all of the listeners who are, like Dan said, he did PFP, the pre-freshman program. I did not. I was eligible, but I wanted to work that summer and save up money before coming here. So for those of you who might not know all of the resources that they tell you about NPFP and so on, you can go to home, H-O-M-E dot V-P-U-L dot U-P-E-N, U-P-E-N-N dot E-D-U backslash F-G-L-I backslash, and that will take you to VIPL, the division in University Provost of University Life. University of Pennsylvania, their Figley homepage, and you can find more about the program and what can help you make your pen experience as robust and serve you the best. So again, that's for first-generation low-income students. Thank you all. I wish everyone peace and love. If you could please rate and leave a comment on this podcast, that would be great. It would help us be more easily identifiable on iTunes and so on and grow our listenership and tell your friends. Thank you. For more chill content, visit the Trillis underscore podcast on Instagram, T-H-E-T-R-I-L-L-E-S-T underscore podcast. And also visit Sia's Instagram at L-I-N-D-A-L-E-B-B-I-E. Thank you.